Hello there! You're listening to the Pinoy MCU Fan, a Bunk Collective Filipino podcast where I get to talk about everything and anything Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Jim. Hello, hello, hello everyone! Yes, and as usual, welcome back to the Pinoy MCU Fan Podcast! I really need to work on my intro stuff. I've been doing this podcast thing for like a year now and I'm still very much a newbie. But anyway, it is February. It's the love month. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. I am not sure if this episode is coming out before or after Valentine's. But you know what? It's okay. Basta importante, love month ngayon. Yun na yon, diba? So speaking of February, Wakanda Forever is finally on Disney Plus. So go check that out. Watch it. Bring some tissues. Miss Angela Bassett just got nominated for Best Supporting Actress in the Academy Awards, aka the Oscars, for her portrayal of Queen Ramonda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So this is actually the first ever that an actor, actress was nominated for the MCU, sa Oscars. So this is such a big deal. Angela Bassett was amazing in Wakanda Forever. Sabi ko nga nung first part ng Wakanda Forever episode, she really went through a lot of emotions and she portrayed Queen Ramonda with such power and range. So if you haven't listened to that part one of my Wakanda Forever episodes, Please give it a listen and let me know what you think. You know the drill, so just DM me on Instagram. So let me know what you think, huh? Let me know. Moreover, February is Black History Month in the United States. The significance of this month is to honor and remember the important events and history in the African diaspora. 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 Anyway, even though Black History Month is celebrated in the United States, more Western countries are observing it as well, such as Canada and the United Kingdom. And since this episode is about Wakanda Forever, it is such a fitting topic as well to mention Black History Month. The first Black Panther movie premiered in February of 2018. Wakanda Forever was you know, premiered in November 2022, but it hit the streaming service Disney Plus this month lang, February 1st. So, for this episode, this is the second part of my Wakanda Forever episode, and I am really proud of the title I have for this episode. Wakanda Forever, Past, Present, and Future. Season 2, Episode 7. Diba? Taray. Sabi ko nga last episode, there were so many callbacks and references to the first Black Panther movie in Wakanda Forever. Which makes a lot of sense naman kasi, diba? Hello, this is the second installment of the Black Panther franchise. Pero I feel like it is so much deeper than that. In my opinion ha, opinion ko lang, Wakanda Forever is the best sequel in the recent MCU releases. Why do I think that is? It's because it's heavily connected to the first film and it has very little thing to do with the wider MCU stuff. Like, yes, we saw Val from the CIA. There was a mention of Thanos and then that's it. Yeah, I, I feel like yung dalawang lang yun yung nagko-connect sa atin sa bigger MCU. And they don't really affect the story much in my opinion. It is okay if this is the first time you've seen Val. 
the Thanos, the snap, and the blip are all very common knowledge at this point, right? In a sense, Wakanda Forever is still very much contained in its own storyline. You don't really have to rewatch a lot of stuff in order to understand Wakanda Forever. If you haven't seen Wakanda Forever and you're listening to this episode, obviously there's going to be a lot of spoilers, so listen at your own risk na lang. Pero I remember my friend asking me, what stuff do I have to watch in order to understand Wakanda Forever? And I'm like, honestly, just go watch the first Black Panther film and you can appreciate Wakanda Forever. The thing with the MCU right now is that they are obviously super interconnected. For example, we have Multiverse of Madness. I enjoyed that movie. I really do. But it is quite a lot of work to rewatch a bunch of stuff in order to understand Strange and Wanda in the film. But for Wakanda Forever, I am personally only requiring you to watch Black Panther. As I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of connections and callbacks to the first Black Panther. And I really love how Ryan Coogler and the writer Joe, his name is Joe, right? Yeah, stayed true to the message and story of the original Black Panther film. And that is exactly why I titled this episode Past, Present, and Future. Now, let's start with the past muna with the 2018 Black Panther. Share ko lang muna. Black Panther was one of the first films I watched on my own. I went to the cinema alone. I didn't invite any friends to watch with me. I was a working student at the time and I was so happy that I was able to purchase a movie ticket from my own hard-earned money. I was so proud of myself for going to the movies alone and I am so glad to experience that sense of independence with Black Panther. I actually still kept the ticket with me. So yeah, it's such an amazing thing that I have this personal memory, personal connection to the first Black Panther film. Because I've always wanted to go to the theater alone and it is such a liberating feeling. The first MCU film that I actually watched alone was actually Thor Ragnarok. But I sadly didn't get to keep the ticket. So, medyo ano eh, parang kailangan ko talaga alalahanin na yung pala Ragnarok yung una ko kasi... All I have to do is check my piles of tickets and then I would automatically know na oh, nga yung Black Panther. I, that's one of the first things that I watched. So, since watching Ragnarok in 2017 and Black Panther in 2018, I tried my best to watch upcoming MCU films on my own. Kapag may extra money ako, I put aside agad like some syempre tatabi ko sa Sa, sa ipun ko na meron ako dapat na pang MCU premiere ticket. If I remember correctly, yung mga napanood ko na mag-isa were Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity Wars, and Spider-Man, Far From Home. And then the other films, I watched it with my family. So ayun, watching Black Panther in the theater was such an experience. I remember that I stayed in my seat for such a long time because I cannot believe that T'Challa actually opened Wakanda to the world. Now, the kingdom of Wakanda is a country in the African continent. We know they are the most advanced nation in the world because of vibranium, the strongest metal on earth. Diba? Ulitin ko lang. Pinaka matibay na metal <laughs> sa buong mundo. We all watch Black Panther, right? Alam natin yung history ng Wakanda, na merong vibranium meteorite na nag-crash landing. Crash landing? Na nag-landing dun sa part of Africa 
millions of years ago and then multiple tribes lived in that area but they still waged war on each other. So, Balin, merong warrior shaman named Bashenga, yung ancestor nila T'Challa and Shuri, nagkaroon siya ng vision from the panther goddess Bast to go to a mutated herb plant. And then, that plant is the heart-shaped herb that we all know. And then, when Bashenga ingested that plant, it granted him superhuman abilities and thus becoming the first Black Panther. And we all know what happened next. Bashenga is the Black Panther that united the tribes and they all agreed to hide Wakanda, protect Vibranium, and basically, ayun nga, be an isolationist country. Country sila na isolation sila. Isolation talaga. Yun yung gusto nila. Parang gusto nila isolated sila. They don't interact with international trades, politics, and whatnot. Very reserved, kumbaga. Now, let's go inside Wakanda. We all know yung technological advancements nila. Si Shuri yung nag-oversee. Yung head naman ng army and special forces nila. Head by Okoye, a woman. The Wakanda Special Forces, the Dora Milaje, are composed of women. We have Queen Mother Ramonda, who is very hands-on with everything happening in Wakanda. And then, of course, we all know she eventually became the queen now. But at the time, she's Queen Mother, who is very hands-on. And, of course, half of the elders in the tribal council are women. The Chala and the Black Panther are surrounded by very strong and supportive women. And what I like about Wakanda is that the presence of women in power is not forced. Do you get what I mean? I kind of don't know how to put it into words, but I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. In Wakanda, it is part of their history that their army and special forces are led by women. Unlike in our society today, those roles are mainly for men. And then when a woman takes over that role, Society praises that woman for being brave and great because they're taking on a role of a man. Does that make sense? Like, we are congratulating the woman through the lenses of a man. Like, oh, congrats, you are as strong as a man. You're as capable as a man. Like, men are the standard, kumbaga. But in Wakanda, it's just given that those positions are held by women. They don't really congratulate or view the accomplishments of these women through the lens of a man. You know, does that make sense? Like, it just is. Like, we see that the women in Wakanda as women, not as like women in a male role. You get what I mean? That's why I don't feel forced when I watch Black Panther. Because every time I see Dora Milaje in the MCU, like, you just know that these women are in their positions because that's it. That's their role, you know? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. But, okay, anyway. The highlight of Black Panther is, of course, is that it's about T'Challa and Killmonger. As I mentioned in the previous episode, this movie is about T'Challa's struggle of being king and Killmonger is there to test that as well. T'Challa is traditional, yes, but he's also open for change. I said traditional because close to his tatanya, which is King T'Chaka. But I said open for change because he's young and he was able to see how the world is getting more connected because of the Avengers, you know, aliens, Hydra, and all that stuff. Moreover, there is this talk between him and Nakia wherein Nakia told him na, you know what, Wakanda, we can help people while still protecting ourselves. We can do both, you know, etc., etc. Meanwhile, Eric Stevens, the Killmonger, 
he sees himself as a liberator, kind of, liberator of black people across the world. He became Black Panther and King of Wakanda to avenge his father, his ancestors, and help African Americans rise to their oppressors. He also declared that he will share with the world the truth about Wakanda. In my experience, I still remember what it made me feel watching Killmonger in Black Panther. I definitely understood where Killmonger is coming from. He was born and raised in Oakland, California in the 90s, in the 90s, where racial tensions were happening at that time. Killmonger's dad, Prince Njobu, even explained it to King T'Chaka. He said their leaders have been assassinated. Communities flooded with drugs and weapons. They are overly policed and incarcerated. All over the planet, our people, black people, suffer because they don't have the tools to fight back. I remember watching that scene and I was reminded of the Los Angeles riots that happened in 1992. The cause, the reason, the background, and the effects of those riots were heavily rooted in racism and racial profiling against black people and other minorities that the system has been doing for the past decades. And sadly, it is still happening until today. If yung riots na yon ng galing sa Los Angeles, California, malamang sa malamang, ganun din yung nangyayari sa mga ibang black communities in America. And that includes Oakland as well. So just imagine the community and environment that Eric Killmonger grew up in. Just like his dad, he saw and experienced how hard it is to grow up as a black person in America. And ayun nga, sadly, it is still happening until today. I am pretty sure you guys are also aware of the Black Lives Matter movement. And of course, since February ngayon is Black History Month as well. Personally, I learned a lot from them because it really opened my eyes to how the system is built by colonizers and white people and how they designed it to discriminate against black people, non-white people, and minorities. It taught me to look at systems more critically and really learn about our history as well. I am still learning a lot, and I hope you guys are learning too. Speaking of Black History Month and Black Lives Matter, I will also link resources in the description box below if you guys want to read more about it. For Njobu and Killmonger, they realized that the only way these discriminations would end is for, as Njobu said, with vibranium weapons, they could overthrow every country and Wakanda can rule them all the right way. As we watched Black Panther, we did see that Killmonger is going through. He was actually going through with that plan. He is sending vibranium weapons to war dogs all over the world. He's ready to wage war on the world. Anyway, we all know how this movie ended. T'Challa stabbed Killmonger and Killmonger refused to be healed. He chose to die instead. He told T'Challa, just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. T'Challa's interaction with Killmonger and the truth about his uncle changed him. He even questioned his own father's reign as king of Wakanda. All of this led to T'Challa's decision of finally opening Wakanda to the world. As I said earlier, Black Panther's ending left me speechless. The reason Wakanda thrived was because they kept themselves a secret. They hid themselves from the world. 
opening Wakanda and the fact that they own and have vibranium means that they will be a target to the rest of the world. Especially to the Western nations na talaga. Like, MM, US, US, <laughs> diba? But on the bright side, it is heartwarming to see that the Chala and Shuri opened multiple outreach centers in the world to share knowledge with each other. Moreover, T'Challa and Killmonger had something in common. They were both lost. They both lost their fathers and they were navigating the world without them. Si T'Challa, di alam kung paano maging king kasi biglang namatay yung tatay niya during civil war. Si Killmonger naman, his vengeance consumed him. Even his own dad felt sad kasi Eric was an outsider in his own country. The 2018 Black Panther was a great film. It's the most political film that we have in the MCU. The movie was widely celebrated by black communities around the world, particularly in America, of course. This movie has such a cultural impact that the National Museum of African American History and Culture added the shooting script for the film into their collection. It's amazing to see African and African-American representation in a blockbuster film like this. As an Asian, I felt a sense of community watching Black Panther. And it felt amazing to see the Black community enjoying and celebrating this Black superhero. And I have to admit, it gave me hope that someday we will have an Asian superhero movie. Like, I want to experience the same thing that I felt with Black Panther. But with an Asian superhero naman, diba? Tapos, a few years later, we finally have Shang-Chi. So that was very amazing. In a way, I feel like we should thank Black Panther din talaga for showing Hollywood that minority stories matter. Black stories matter. Asian stories matter. Speaking of which, sobrang malaki talaga ang cultural impact ng Black Panther. To the point that when you think of Chadwick Boseman, you think of Black Panther. But before the MCU, Chadwick Boseman has been championing Black representation in TV, film, and theater. In films, he portrayed historical figures in the Black community, such as baseball player Jackie Robinson, musician James Brown, and former Justice Thorgood Marshall. He began his career portraying these icons, and he ended up being one. So, Chadwick Boseman is Black Panther. He was Black Panther. As we all know, Chadwick sadly passed away in August 2020 due to complications related to colon cancer. All this time, he was diagnosed with colon cancer pala and only his family knew about it. When he passed away, people asked, What about T'Challa and the Black Panther? Thankfully, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios decided that they will not recast T'Challa to honor Chadwick's history and legacy. As I mentioned earlier, Chadwick and T'Challa are basically intertwined at this point. You really cannot separate the two. Now, how do we move forward without Chadwick and T'Challa? This is where we talk about the present, which is Wakanda Forever. Again, if you haven't listened to the first part of Wakanda Forever episode, please do not hesitate to pause this episode and go back to listen to episode 5. Or, you know, you can just stay here and listen to episode 7 muna. Pero, pakinggan mo yung episode 5 mamaya ah. Promise niya na. Promise niya yan. <laughs> anyway, in episode 5, 
I did a rundown on the characters and I did mention in that episode repeatedly na ang daming callbacks ng Wakanda Forever to Black Panther. T'Challa faced grief becoming king of Wakanda. Shuri faced grief becoming the Black Panther. And of course, just like Killmonger, Namor also wants to wage war on the world. Or in this case, the surface world. And yes, in both Black Panther and Wakanda Forever, racism and colonialism pa rin talaga yung culprit dito. <laughs> Sila talaga may kasalanan eh. First, let's answer the question muna. How do we move forward without Chadwick and T'Challa? Watching Wakanda Forever, Queen Ramonda and Shuri took us on a journey, on a ritual rather, to move on, to move forward. Sabi nga ni Ramonda, it marks the end of the mourning period and the beginning of a new relationship with our loved ones that have passed on. Wakanda Forever is a movie about grief and how Shuri, Ramonda, Nakia, Okoye, and the rest of Wakanda navigated the grief of T'Challa's and Chadwick's death. When we compare the grief between T'Challa and King T'Chaka, and Shuri with T'Challa and Queen Ramonda, I have to say, Shuri truly went through a lot. In Civil War, T'Challa lost King T'Chaka, and he did take it personally. He failed to protect his father. I believe he was already Black Panther as well when that happened, but T'Challa had realizations and was able to forgive the man who killed his father. Moreover, he had an adjustment period during his reign as king, as we can see in the 2018 Black Panther, but I am pretty sure as part of the royal family, T'Challa was somewhat prepared to be the king of Wakanda as well. So in a way, talaga parang, kasi diba unang anak na lalaki, and we all know kings are like, of course, kung may anak ang lalaki at alam mo next in line yan, ipre-prepare mo na rin sila sa pagiging king, di ba? Samantala naman si Shuri, Shuri was blipped along with T'Challa. When they returned, he got sick. He was on the brink of death when he asked Shuri for help. I talked about this in episode 5. Shuri really carried the weight of T'Challa's death because she knows she has the abilities and the knowledge to save him, but she wasn't able to. Moreover, she lost her mother, Queen Ramonda, one year after T'Challa's death. She was still grieving T'Challa, tapos mawawala din yung nanay niya. So, when you think about it, that's too much on her. That's too much. Sabi nga ni Mbaku, the world took too much from her already. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm not much aware of how monarchs work, but I'm pretty sure it would be too much pressure for the grieving Shuri to even think about becoming queen and leading a nation. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remembered the sweet moment between Ramonda and her children during the warrior fault scene in Black Panther and the final No More Shuri battle in Wakanda Forever. Ramonda told them the same line. Show them who you are. It was such a touching moment that she said it twice in moments her children were being challenged as the Black Panther. Now, another similarity I want to highlight is how Wakanda and Talokan are very similar when it comes to their origin with vibranium. I quickly explained Wakanda's origin earlier, but let's do a quick review on Talokan naman. So, sa Talokan naman, in Yucatan, Mexico, 
A group of Mesoamerican villagers was driven out of their farms and homes because they got sick with smallpox that Spanish colonizers brought to them. And in an effort to flee the war, diseases and starvation from, you know, the colonizers, these villagers turned to Chuck, <laughs> their god of rain and abundance. Chalk showed the village shaman a vision of an underwater plant that was growing out of a blue rock, which is, you know, vibranium. The shaman took the plant and grounded it, like, ground it to a paste for him and the rest of the villagers to drink from. Only one person refused to ingest the plant, and it was a pregnant woman because she was scared of what it might do to her child. So, as the more narrated in the movie... The shaman was convincing. He promised the pregnant woman that the plant is the only way to save them and her child. He even promised that the child will be king of their new home. The shaman gave her a bracelet made from the fibers of the underwater plant that grew in vibranium. After ingesting the plant, the villagers lost consciousness and then they woke up in a mutated body with blue skin and gills. They all swam into the ocean and eventually they settled there. The woman gave birth to a mutant child, which is named Chato Almehen, which is now known as Kukulkan or Namor. And yes, Namor has a birth name, and I learned about it reading the shooting script of Wakanda Forever. So Deadline.com actually posted the script, so if you guys want to read it too, I'll link it in the description box below. Anyway, Namor became the king of Talokan. As a mutant, he doesn't have blue skin or gills, but he does have wings on his ankles and pointed ears, and he ages much slower. So, Talokan, they all ended up living underwater for years, for hundreds of years, and they found a way to grow their food and even create devices that enables them to breathe on land. Moreover, Namor proudly states that he brought the sun to his people. <laughs> it's a light source made from vibranium that enables them to shed light and grow plants in the depths of the ocean. You see, Wakanda and Talukan are the same. They both benefited from vibranium through the guidance and vision of their gods. And also, I have to comment on this. Wakanda and Mesoamerican gods are much better, much better than the gods that were shown in Thor Love and Thunder. Because Bast and Chuck really looked after their people and the visions they gave to the shamans really saved the people of Wakanda and Talokan. And for that, we are grateful. Anyway, I mentioned that Namor is a mutant. So, the M word. If you guys haven't listened to it yet, I actually did an episode talking about mutants. So please go check that out. I talked about Miss Marvel, Deadpool, and Wolverine. I wanted to talk about Namor in that episode as well. But I chose to omit him because Wakanda Forever wasn't out yet. And I really wanted to see Namor say the M-word himself. And yeah, so he actually did say the M-word. So yay. That's a plus point. Shut up. <laughs> anyway. And I did highlight in that episode what it means to be a mutant. So quick review lang. For a much simpler description, a mutant is someone who mutated while still inside the belly. So does that make sense? Like, basa, pinagbubuntis ka pa lang, di ka pa pinapanganak, may nagbago na agad sa DNA mo. Kaya nung pinanganak ka na, something is already different about you and that makes you a 
mutant, the M-word. And in the Morse case is a good example of it. Kasi diba yung mom niya, buntis noon, tas bigla siya nag-mutate into blue-skinned water people. And then since she was carrying the more in the belly at the time, the more mutated while still inside the belly. So kaya nung pinanganak na siya, iba na yung itsura niya and may added abilities na. So that makes him a mutant. In Wakanda Forever, Bashenga the Shaman became Black Panther and the King of Wakanda. So, talo ka naman since lahat sila ay nag-mutate and yung naiiba lang is the mutant kid, aka Namor. Siya yung naging king and protector of Talokan. And since he ages slower, there's no quote-unquote power to transfer naman. So, Namor is still going to be the king and protector of Talokan. Unlike in Wakanda, the kings retire and they also die. So, it's a monarchy system talaga with the Black Panther and the King of Wakanda. Although, sobrang similar ng Wakanda and Talokan, one thing they don't have in common is the fact that one of them was colonized. The original people of Talokan were colonized. The Mesoamerican villagers were colonized, kaya din nagkaroon ng Talokan in the first place was because of the Spanish colonizers. Bilang Pilipino, <laughs> aminin na natin, we felt that connection in the Hacienda scene in Wakanda Forever, especially when Namor and the Talokanila killed the Spanish colonizers and then burned the Hacienda and then freed the indigenous slaves. Our history is very similar with Mexico, with how the Spanish arrived to our lands and colonized our people. In fact, the Philippines were under Spanish rule for much longer than the Spanish ruled Mexico. So, bale, 333 years for Philippines and then 300 years for Mexico. Imagine mo yun, 33 years lang yung pagitan natin sa Mexico when it comes to the all Spanish colonization. A big difference between Philippines and Mexico was that in Mexico, they fought for independence from Spain, similar to how the European settlers in America fought for independence from the British. While in our country, Filipinos, tayong mga Pilipino talaga, fought for independence, but Spain gave us to the Americans instead. And then, we were under another colonial power, aka the Americans. And then, we became the Commonwealth of the Philippines. And then, the World War II happened, the Japanese invaded us, and then they lost. And then, we finally became an independent as the Republic of the Philippines in 1946. Taray, di ba? Taray, di Quick history lesson yarn. <laughs> Pero, di ba? It's cool to see something similar to us on the big screen. But this time, our people are fighting back against the colonizers. The Talokanil knows what happens when you become colonized. The colonizers will chain you. I mean, will they will chain you and they will make you their slaves while they mine and control your resources. For Namor, he does not want that to happen again to his people. Especially that they are the ones living and protecting the vibranium in the ocean. This brings me to Killmonger. For Killmonger, he mourns the loss of his ancestors to slavery and the loss of his people to racism. Even in his last breath, he chose to die than be chained like his ancestors. Do you see what I mean? Namor and his people experienced 
and escaped colonialism and slavery, and he does not want that to happen again. On the other hand, Killmonger was a descendant of people who were colonized and enslaved and is still living under a system created by oppressors. In both movies, we saw Namor and Killmonger wanting to wage war on the world. Namor doesn't want it to happen again. Killmonger wants it to stop. And if you are someone who grew up not experiencing any of these or the ramifications of these events, it would be harder for you to grasp where Killmonger and Namor are coming from. In my opinion, I do think that's what King T'Chaka, T'Challa, and Shuri felt like. But of course, as Black Panther, T'Challa and Shuri were able to honor Killmonger and Namor's wishes in a way without waging war on the world. T'Challa opened Wakanda and built outreach centers. Shuri made an alliance with Namor to protect Talokan. Speaking of which, I did mention earlier that Black Panther left me speechless with one question in mind. What will happen now that Wakanda is open to the world? Pretty straightforward, we have Wakanda forever (laughs) to answer that question. I'm not gonna go too much into details, but you guys already know how the world wants a piece of that vibranium. But Wakanda said no, and the world is like, okay, we will try to find it ourselves then. And when it comes to finding vibranium, Riri Williams is the only person who can create and build a vibranium detector machine. I just realized that it's kind of funny how there's something about the whole Stark iron people finding vibranium as well as kasi alam naman natin lahat na si Howard Stark <laughs> gave the vibranium shield to Captain Rogers to Captain Rogers to Steve Rogers, Captain America. Although I am not sure if Howard acquired that much vibranium. Like, hindi ako aware. Hindi ko ma- maalala kung paano ba talaga nakuha ni Howard Stark yung vibranium na yon. So, I'm sorry for using the word finding vibranium kanina. Pero, gets ba? Like, si Howard Stark yung first person na nag-introduce atin sa vibranium through Captain America. Anyway, Ironheart Riri Williams is the only one who can build a detector. So in essence, she also discovered vibranium in the ocean. I do not know how the CIA got a hold of her machine project that she made for a class, but isn't it fishy how the CIA, a government agency of a colonial imperial power, is once again in the middle of all of this? They even said it in the movie. United States and France really want a piece of that vibranium. They even want the supply, supply ng vibranium yung gusto nila. The U.S. even went as far as doing offensive action to destabilize Wakanda. So, ayun nga, parang for U.S. destabilization agad. Ayun, France at Trinay pa nilang kumuha ng vibranium sa outreach center, di ba? And yun nga, sabi ko nga last episode, the CIA director is literally Val. Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. This is the first time we saw a bigger picture of her role in the MCU. She's the head of CIA and she's very much eager to have a piece of vibranium. That confrontation Val had with Evident Ross, that got me like, oh shit. Because that's literally a motive right there, right? So motivation I am for her. There is a reason why these nations want a piece of vibranium. First thing that comes to mind is that they can build weapons, obviously, weapons, armor, and technology out of it. But the thing is why? 
Why are they building weapons, armor, and technology? What for? Is there a threat out there that these countries are preparing for? There are definitely lots of reasons why. It can be aliens, supervillains, and whatnot. And at this point, there are way too many threats in the MCU that I just want to know what Val and the CIA are preparing for. Like, alin dun sa mga threats na yun yung nasistress kayo at gustong gusto nyo ng vibranium, diba? So, going back to Wakanda, at the end of the film, it's pretty much implied that M'Baku will serve as the king of Wakanda. I personally think that this is such a smart choice because M'Baku is a king. He honors tradition, he welcomes improvements, and he truly proved himself as a worthy king during defense of Wakanda forever. But I believe <laughs> Shuri will still hold the mantle of Black Panther, while M'Baku serves as Wakanda's king. Now, this movie definitely left us with a lot of questions to ponder. Will we see the Black Panther again? Will we see Namur and Talokan again? What is the CIA up to? What's in store for us in the future? And yes, we are now going to talk about the future after the events of Wakanda Forever. Siyempre, at this part of the episode, mostly mga theories na ito regarding the future. Of course, it's going to be my opinion only. Mga theories ko lang to, mga hula-hula ko. Pero as usual, if may naisip din kayong theories, do not hesitate to DM me, okay? Lagi naman akong kachikahan nyo sa DMs. Anyway, let's start muna with the obvious. The whole CIA thing and the Val thing and the Thunderbolts. Since ito nga yung first time na we saw a bigger picture of Val's character, it is possible that we will see more of Wakandans and Vibranium in the future films. Again, this is just a theory. Of course, if we see more of Val in other projects before Thunderbolts, then we will get more context into her motives. Depende din talaga on when and where she's going to pop up. Moreover, Ross is basically now on the run. He's probably a refugee in Wakanda, but he's also going to be in the TV series Secret Invasion. You know, the one with Fury and the Skrulls. Not sure when this TV series is set within the timeline, but then again, for Val and Ross, their motives will truly depend on when and where and why they are in that MCU thing. When, where, why, what, why, ano? what, how, <laughs> why? <laughs> anyway, but since Val popped up in Wakanda Forever and knowing what she knows, we might see more of M'Baku, Black Panther, Dora Milaje, Midnight Angels, and even some Talokanil in future projects. Now, why do I think that? Okay. So, the CIA knows someone attacked the mining ship in the Atlantic Ocean. Tapos, the CIA agent also radioed them saying, They aren't Wakandans, they were blue. Now, I don't know if they actually received that message, but I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure it's implied. Moreover, Queen Ramonda did tell Ross, that there is a new world power at play. Ross even confirmed in front of Val and the U.S. Secretary of State na parang, meron nga trasing new nation dyan, hindi natin alam. Hindi natin alam, diba? Ganon. So, 
if I was the CIA, I would go like, hmm. So there's a new nation that we do not know about. They attacked our mining ship. They were blue. But we have no way to prove or investigate this. So we will just blame Wakanda for it. We need to destabilize them anyway. So, you know, might as well. Might as well blame them for this. So now, knowing what the CIA knows, let's go to Wakanda. Now that they're... Nasa ano sila ngayon? Nasa allyship. They're in an alliance with Talokan. Wakanda must protect their secrets, protect their waters, protect their vibranium, which also means they will most likely have to take the blame for what happened in the mining ship. And they will most likely also have to make up a reason for Queen Ramonda's sudden death. Now, in order for Wakanda to do all of that, Talukan must communicate with them all the time. Alliance nga eh. So this means M'Baku, the Black Panther, Dora Milaje, and the Midnight Angels will always be in contact with Namor, Namora, and Atuma. Also, I have a feeling that we will see some Talokanil in the future, kind of like how we saw the Dora Milaje in some MCU projects back then. But the only guess that I can think of right now is that the Talokanil might do a cameo in the upcoming Okoye TV series. It's still in the works, Panaman. That's the most possible cameo that I can think of. Anyway, in terms of the Black Panther herself, I am quite worried because I don't think that they showed sa Wakanda Forever yung title card na the Black Panther will return. I don't, I don't remember seeing that. If you guys do, please let me know. But I do hope that we will see more of Shuri's Black Panther. I am manifesting that she will do a scene or two sa Thunderbolts and or Captain America New World Order. Moreover, we can all feel it naman, diba? The MCU is setting up the Young Avengers. Okay, right now, I feel like the members will include Yelena Belova, Shang-Chi, Kate Bishop, America Chavez, Tommy and Billy Maximoff, Cassie Lang, and now the Black Panther. Siyempre, hula-hula ko lang yan. Hula-hula ko lang po yan. Huwag niyo po akong, do not cancel me, charot. <laughs> Pero hindi, hula-hula ko lang yan. So, di ba, malay pa rin natin. Anyway, of course, with the future Black Panther, I'm pretty sure you guys are thinking the same thing. They didn't recast T'Challa, yes, but they are continuing his legacy. Death is not the end, ika nga nila, diba? With the current trend of the MCU exploring the multiverse, it might be possible that Toussaint, Prince T'Challa, might show in the future as an adult Toussaint, who is now the Black Panther. I am not exactly sure where, when, or how they are going to take Prince T'Challa's character in the MCU, but his addition and casting already mean that they are planning something big with the Black Panther. I am saying Black Panther because Prince T'Challa is literally the next in line to the throne. Actually, he's yung king. Talaga. <laughs> but of course, I agree with T'Challa and Akia. It is too early for him to visit Wakanda and attend to his royal duties. I'm actually quite happy that they chose to give their son a normal life in Haiti. That kid is going to have a great childhood without the pressures of the throne. 
But when he's old enough, I'm pretty sure he will have to run Wakanda as king in Black Panther. Now, before we end this episode, I would like to say that if you guys love this part 2 of my Wakanda Forever episodes, please do not hesitate to let me know. You guys can always DM me on Instagram, share your thoughts with me, chikahan tayo, share this episode to your friends, your fellow MCU fans, and of course, please rate my podcast. <laughs> wow. Overall, I really, 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 really loved Wakanda Forever. As you guys can tell, I really dedicated two episodes for it. My heart is filled with a lot of joy because the representation in this movie matters a lot to me. I love how Shuri overcame her grief. I love how Namor is a complex character. I hope nothing but the best for these two characters, honestly. And I am also rooting for the Wakandans and Talokanil. Dahil love na love na love ko talaga yung movie na to. I am sharing more Wakanda Forever content with you guys. Well, not from me, but I'm pretty sure when this episode goes live, the Wakanda Forever assembled episode is already out. And also yung Wakanda Forever album soundtrack na behind the scenes documentary nun, ipapalabas din on Disney+. Plus. And you guys already know me. I love behind-the-scenes documentaries like these because we get to learn a lot about the production from the team itself. Moreover, there's also a Wakanda Forever official podcast with interviews from the cast, the writers, director, composer, and so much more. So after recording this episode, I'm gonna go listen to that podcast um, and lastly, my favorite behind-the-scenes stuff from this movie, the final shooting script of Wakanda Forever, is officially online. So, sabi ko kanina, Deadline.com uploaded the May 8, 2021 version of the script. Noong January lang. So, you can read it on their website for free. We don't even have to pay for anything. So, right now, I am reading through it, but I haven't finished it yet. And I have already learned a lot. So, yung na-mention ko kanina, yung birth name ni Namor, Chato Almehen, I got that from the script. So, if you guys are into reading as well, please go check out the script and tell me what you think, okay? As usual, the stuff that I mentioned will be linked in the description kasi sharing is caring, Odiva. And that is it. Thank you so much for listening to the Pinoy MCU Fan Podcast. And this is this is it. This is Wakanda Forever episodes. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you, thank you talaga. And talk to you guys soon. Bye! Wakanda Forever! Likik talokan! Likik talokan! Bye! That was so awkward, but bye. Thank you, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Pinoy MCU Fan. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, you can follow or message me on social media at the.pinoymcufan. The Pinoy MCU Fan is part of The Bunk Collective. Discover more podcasts at thebunkph.com and follow us on social media at thebunkph. That's it, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye!